When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. On to Villa, obviously two wins and two now. I'm already mm-hmm. thinking about the Man City game. Um, don't want to look too too much, you know, backwards at the Palace result and the Brown result, but it was a brilliant two wins, of course. Um, Palace, Pat, I don't, I personally wasn't expecting a win. I thought it would be a two-all draw. So when when they got the uh, the late goal at the end through Gay, I thought oh, it's a 60 yeah. seconds that you don't want. It felt like an hour too fair, didn't it? But, no, brilliant result. Yeah, it was one of those. I, I was a bit sceptical, but I'm always a blind optimist, to be honest. So I kind of always go for a Villa win. You'll, you'll do well to find me predicting a draw at most. But yeah, I went 1-0 and then I thought it'd be a tough game. Palace obviously showing how good they are this season. I think they'd only lost to Liverpool and Chelsea before that. I think they've got a resort against City as well. They've shown they've got quality. They they threatened us at times. Like the second half, I thought we sat back a bit and the, Gerard probably wasn't happy with that. First half, though, I feel like the style of play, everything you want, was clearly shining through. I felt like we had a lot of... I think the XG was about 0.5 XG, but I thought we were a lot more threatening than that. I, thought, I don't know if we're just not getting the shots off or anything, but I thought first half, the movement was good, the passing was sharp. The likes of Leon Bailey, Ashley Young... Ali Watkins especially linking up well with everyone dropping deep. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It was exciting to watch, regardless of the XG. That I usually get a bit of stick for, but anyway, so maybe I'll, I'll leave that. But no, yeah, bang on. I, I, I'm with you. I think I, I'm not too sure how many shots are out of the game, to be fair. But the one thing that I did notice was on plenty of occasions, it sounds almost Sunday League-like, but whenever a player would pass the ball, it was always a one-two. It was always a passive yeah. move. It was always breaking the lines. Yeah. Players moving around. Matt Target was playing in all sorts of positions down that left channel, not just yeah. sort of reserved to a left um, a left back position where he'd pass it in standard position. It was always bombing on and that was a sign of Ashley Young and all the other players. But if we strip it back right to, you know, the starting eleven almost, you'd made two changes, I think it were Dan Hings and uh, Amib Wendy coming out of the team. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I thought it would be an unchanged eleven. It was unchanged, obviously, the defence and, and the midfield, but probably testament to Gerrard's uh, and Michael Beale's, um, you know, planning for the game and preparations that the, the, the I think they got a bang on, to be fair. You have Ashley Young on the left and Bailey on the right. Um, and obviously, Ollie Watkins down the middle as well. He worked a treat in the end, didn't it? Yeah, I think playing Ashley Young on the wing, obviously, it's not the same Ashley Young we had in about 2010. Or you can be cutting in with his, his F50s. But I think it was an inspired decision, to be honest. I think he's, the composure he offers on the ball, his tight passing, his movement, his experience, it all helped to beat a, a very good, impressive Palace team, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Uh, against Watford the first day of the season, I think he, Smith went for Ashley Young at a left wing position. I'm pretty sure, and it didn't go. It didn't go well. But I think that's yeah. just testament to the, how solid Gerrard's made us in like, the first opening few games that he's played. To be honest, like Dean Smith also played Ashley Young at centre mid against West Ham, and that went down like a lead balloon. But Gerrard's utilised Ashley Young in a centre mid against Brighton and a left wing yeah. against uh, Crystal Palace. The same thing Dean Smith has done. But it just it worked better because Villa are just a lot more solid defensively. I think in the same way he did at Rangers, uh, that he, from fifty goals to twenty three to then thirteen record breaking or record equaling, 
clean sheets and I think Villa were averaging 13.6 shots conceded every game and now it was eight against Brighton and I think it might have been six against or, or, the, or the other way against Crystal Palace. So he's clearly building up from the back. He's clearly made us a lot more solid. Maybe it's a return to that 15 clean sheet defence that we saw so frequently last season. But yeah, very good decisions. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good point you make about Young, actually, because people forget, of course, he, he hasn't really played that left-back position too often. He's, if anything, he's been playing in the centre midfield with the left-wing position with Dane Smith and, and Stephen Gerrard, but to completely different outcomes. Um, so it's promising, really, that, you know, if, if Ashley Young can be a player that seems vastly improved on, you know, by what we've seen in the small sample size of Gerrard so far, then that can be any player, really. Um, but I think Danny Ings as well, there's been a grand, that sort of grand debate about Ings or Watkins. Do they play together? Do they not play together? And if so, um, how do you manage that? In my in my opinion, it's quite easy. Watkins on the left, Danny Ings through the middle. But it's nice to see that that can change. I think Danny Ings might have had a niggle, to be fair. At least that's what Gerrard says. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he's playing up front against the Palace away, that it gives you a, a different opportunity to counter-attack, to play to a different a different way, you play different strengths and maybe Danny Ings wouldn't have brought everything that Ollie Watkins brought against Palace, but then Ings would have brought something else too. So it's very, you know, again, I think Michael Beale said it's is sort of, he wants that fluid front three, he wants yeah. different options every game and it's a sign of a good team, isn't it? Because if you look at the substitutes bench of most teams that are competing for Europe, how many times have we said as Villa fans over the last couple of years, at least since promotion, you know, wh- who are you bringing off the bench to yeah. change the game? Luckily, we didn't need to change the game against yeah. Palace, but um, if we're looking to get in those positions, having a strong bench is, you know, paramount, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of those. I think, like you said, I think Gerard he made the decision to play Ollie Watkins because probably just it was a really tough game. Like, I think in previous years you probably go oh, Crystal Palace that it's not that hard away. But I think Agbonhall was saying how much, like it's a cauldron, it's like so loud there, it's a horrible yeah. place to go. He's probably like he was. Ta- I think he was talking about bringing the young players in, but it's not the game to do it because it's just such a hard place to go and get a result and. Yeah, we've got we've got the options to change and swap and change things. Where previously with Villa, you'd probably say opponents could probably look at it and go know exactly how we were going to line up. But mm-hmm. I think yeah, he made the correct decision putting Ali Watkins in. I think he offers a bit more holding the ball up, a bit more pace on the counter attack. And when you play in a team that we should probably dominate, I think in the first two games, yeah, exactly that. He's got players singing together, simple as that. The whole team's working for each other. In other games where. We're going to dominate possession a bit more. Maybe he's going to go for that Ollie Watkins out wide, uh, Danny Ings link up, which is probably like, we are going to have limited amounts of ball against like Crystal Palace and Brighton. I think it's thirty-seven percent each game, and it is just one of those. It probably is testament to Gerard and his coaching staff looking at who they're playing, and it's not a one system fits all league, and they should be applauded for that. To be honest, because it worked to great effect. Absolutely, Jason Rose is a good point there as well because <laughs> I know that. Gerard likes to have his his uh, his team almost in different units. So your attackers, your defenders, your um, midfielders, and it's probably more complex than that. The one I'm saying, but I think that's good because it gives that almost identity to when the ball goes through the different um, sections of the team. Should we say each player knows who they're linking with, and what they need to do, and what's going to happen on and off the ball. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, not every club's going to do that, and there's much more successful teams than us in the Premier League this season who won't do that. But I do like the idea of having uh, an Ollie Watkins on the ball in a certain position. Mm-hmm. They will know exactly where uh, Wendy is going <coughs> or Bailey or, you know, again, it's probably more complex than what I'm making it out to be. But I, I like that idea. Um, almost moving backwards into that midfield, it's probably the main talking point is that midfield. Because the midfield three for me, were, it was almost like a masterclass. You know, mm-hmm. Nakamba, McGinn, 
and Jacob Ramsey, if we focus on Nakamba to start with, I think he gets a bit of stick sometimes, Nakamba, because he's he, he can't do everything that you want from a midfielder, but what he does and when he, you, you need him to do it, you know, he does it very well. And Crystal Palace was a perfect example of that. And I think he was a perfect team for him to play his game and and, um, and show what he could do um, mm-hmm. for, for a Steven Gerrard team. And you might not play every game in the camera and you might not play against a Norwich City at home. I don't know when you want maybe a Douglas Lewis to keep the ball and move it and progress it better. But that's nothing against the camera because I think he did that very well, to be fair, against mm-hmm. Palace. And I think the way that Gerrard's playing, you have different players moving off the ball into different channels, different areas of the pitch. And he, he doesn't want all the three midfielders to stay in the same position. Yeah. The things what he said, he, he wants different styles. Um, and that helps Nakamba because when there's more space for him, he's going to be um, more aware of what's going on and he gets more more time on the ball to do to do his stuff. And obviously winning it back as well defensively was um, superb. I think he got caught out once, I think, to yeah. Zahar and Palace might have had an opportunity to play on. Um, but hey, you're not going to get a, a 10 out of 10 performance every week, yeah. are you? No, I think yeah. I've, I've at times like, it's obvious what what his limit, like, how he was limited as a player, it was his passing ability. But I thought in this game he was comfortable on the ball. I was never worried while he was on the ball. Yeah. He was stepping in, reading the game really well, making important challenges. Like, like you said, I think there was that one foul on Zaha where Conor Gallagher picked the ball up in the penalty. I thought he was going about to lash it in, but and I think he gave the ball away once more. But other than that, it was a faultless performance. I think he even had a key pass going forward. I think he contributed a bit. It was a few times where he triggered counter-attacks as well. Like he just reads the game quite well, broke it up perfectly. And yeah, he does do exactly what Gerard will want of one of his midfielders. And that's he loves his fullbacks to get forward. And if you want someone who's willing to just sit in and cover for the fullbacks, like a stopgap fullback maybe, he's perfect for it because he's not going to want to bomb forward and try and grab a goal, is he, to be honest? <laughs> He's completely happy sitting in front of that defence and playing the role we all know he can do, which is the defensive midfielder role. So, yeah, I think so much Ian Slate has just said it there. They're fighting for their places because uh, Gerard might want to bring his, his his own players in. I think yeah. so far, if you were going to identify two places that he was going to invest in in January, I think it's rumoured that he wants a left-back to compete with Target and he wants a CDM. And those are the two players for me that have stepped up the most. I think Target's been immense in the first two games. Got his goal, obviously. I think he's made sent a clear message to Gerard, and then Nakamba, yeah. obviously, been solid in both games. I think he had about a ninety-seven percent pass accuracy against Brighton, and then had the game against Palace that we all know. But yeah, I thought I thought it was one of his best games in a Villa shirt, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think that idea of the players knowing a new gaffer's come in, it's one thing saying on oh, the first couple of trains, well, not first, the first couple of weeks and months in, the, in training, you know, you need to impress because you know you need to. Put, put a marker down because it's, it's a different thing Gerard watching back old Villa games and knowing bits about certain players not knowing too much I think like John McGinn for example he, mm. he says he's watched from afar and he's really excited to have him in, as his own player now but even he wouldn't have known the John McGinn that's you know working every day at Bodymore Heath um, just because he's seen him on TV or just like any other fan doesn't mean that you have a better perspective than what um, a coach would do playing or working with him every single day and I think that's a really good point about targeting the camera because yeah, we probably are going to invest in January and especially in the summer. And, you know, I think in Rangers, again, Gerard said he wants his players to become better players, of course, but helping them to become better players, you also need to have competition and you need to mm-hmm. strengthen your squad because that's going to bring the best out of people. And just at least at the moment, the psychological element of just, you know, no players knowing that they need to compete for their places, where it be, because we're looking at different transfers and we're looking at mm-hmm. uh, strengthening the team or just competition for places in general. It's a massive 
um, it's a massive thing, and that's, I'm sure Gerard would have known that um, when he first came into the club. That players were going to step up and definitely targeting the canvas so far for me, being the two um, shining stars, I suppose. But Jacob Ramsey and McGinn, shout out to them as well. Pat, I think Ramsey, what 20 years old, running running Premier League games, and McGinn coming up with the goods as well. He's playing more like he does for Scotland for me. Mm. I think once we when we played that with that number 10 with Dean Smith, I always thought McGinn should probably given the license to do that but then you have two players behind him and it didn't feel quite right but as a three when you've got the protection of Ramsey or McGinn when they're both uh, you know going and obviously in the camera too it's, it worked really well for me yeah I think I've always said like I, d- I don't I d- that's why I didn't really understand why Dean Smith I can't remember was it the Southampton game he went for a 4-2-3-1 yeah yeah when McGinn's in the midfield too and the, the double pivot I think he's he's so restricted and just it's just not the role that we want to see from him, yeah. to be honest. I always thought he played better in a midfield three. And it was perfect for Gerard to come in because he loves playing the 4-3-3. And obviously, I think he's he's classed John McGinn as he said that he was the goal threat in his side. And he's obviously shown that in the past few games that he's, he is a massive threat. He's, but it's not just that. It's the all-round play from the midfield for me. Like the work rate of Ramsey and McGinn is just perfect. They just don't stop running. I think McGinn made about seven tackles or something silly against uh, Palace. Obviously, scored his goal as well, which we all know he can. He only scores bangers. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think he's no, Jacob Ramsey's going to thrive under him. Obviously, learning from one of the best midfielders to ever grace the Premier League. Yeah. John McGinn the same. But yeah, it's a very balanced midfield. It looks perfectly like they they're already buying into the system as well. I think Gerard asks a lot of his midfield in terms of pressing, like. The traps they set and the work rate and shifting over and if they don't shift over you're quite susceptible to a, a switch Definitely. so i think they are all buying in quite well i think matt target said they've only had four sessions but the system he wanted to implement is so clear and obvious and it's made such an impact already mm. it can only get better to be honest moving into almost the, like the defense as well because we know last season how many clean shoes we kept i think it was 15 when city mm-hmm. and chelsea only keeping more the same personnel is exactly the same. The only change yeah. is that my cash is now Polish. So yeah. <laughs> it, 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 we've got a proper base there and we know that it can get um, get results on the pitch in terms of clean sheets and keeping teams out. I think Amy Martinez is a bit good, as probably the rest of the team were and Gerard, not to keep that clean sheet yeah. when Gay scored. But again, it's I think it's promising for Gerard knowing that he can build his team off those you know solid foundations and to keep... You can't say it was two clean sheets, but to keep a clean sheet against Brighton and then almost keep a clean sheet against Palace. Yeah. So if you're nullifying that team, Palace, who are almost free scoring at yeah. the moment, um, scored three times at Burnley as well, and last week, I think it was. Yeah. Um, again, that's massive, massive confidence boost going into a pretty tough looking fixture against Man City on Wednesday. Yeah, I think he's got the best out of Mings, especially yeah. uh, in terms of since he's come back. I just, uh, the one that stood out for me is when Benteke looked like just drifting past a few players and then Mings just like shrugged him off the ball. <laughs> Benteke is one of the strongest players I've ever seen play at Villa Park. Like, he played yeah, yeah. and just bounce off him. It was just like yeah. ridiculous. And I think I saw a tweet earlier saying, oh, we've got promotion season Mings back. It's just <laughs> dominating, reading the game. <laughs> Making yeah, good decisions yeah. and just having no nonsense, but also being a player that can show immense quality on the ball and he's just cutting the mistakes out that there was three or four a game at times. And <laughs> Mings looks like he's playing with a lot of confidence, and so do the rest of the back four, to be honest. It's Kanz has always been reliable. Matt Targets looks like he's got his confidence back and Cash is really thriving. I think he's one of our best players in terms of quality on the ball, dragging us forward. And I think he's gonna eventually thrive under Gerard. Like, Another, if it goes a different way, like 
Matty Cash could have won the penalty that against Brighton. I thought he got dragged down a bit. Like if that mm-hmm. happens, Matty Cash won the penalty and we won that way. So yeah, underrated contributions that probably you don't notice as much. But yeah, Gerard's got the defence playing. I'm pretty sure he's building up from the back. Yeah, definitely. And Mings was involved as well. In, in the, if we briefly touch on the goals as well, he's involved oh, yeah. to an extent in the first one. I think I read somewhere that Matt Tyre was actually supposed to be the blocker for Mings to have a header um, on goal because it was a, it was a bit of a strange. It was it was almost yeah, like well, FIFA, yeah. wasn't it? When you had the players all in the box, then somewhere outside the box, it looked it looked a bit bizarre. But yeah, brilliant finish from Matt Target as well, wasn't it? Yeah. The control and he lashed it away really nicely. Yeah. I think Palace have conceded the most goals, shots and XG from set pieces. So yeah. Austin McFree definitely be working on it, finding weaknesses and we finally capitalised again from a set piece. I don't remember the last one, last one we scored. I think it might have been, I don't know, Newcastle game or something. But yeah, yeah. Austin yeah. McFree went a bit quiet in the last few games, but no, it lasted an impact in this one. Yeah. And then we have the second goal as well, which we're happy We've already briefly touched on anyway from McGinn. But what I liked was the in-game management. We saw it against Brighton. And that was seen against Palace as well. You Wendy and El Garzi both coming off the bench, both combining mm-hmm. um, to get the ball up the pitch and work it in towards McGinn. And that's exactly what we saw against Brighton. While El Garzi and Bailey was, we didn't touch the ball. They were the ones bombing on forward, making the space for Watkins to move into. So tactically, I, you know, you almost can't fault Gerard at the moment, which right. is, you know, without jinxing it, it's certainly a positive thing, you know. Uh, what did you reckon for El Ghazi's pass? I, th- I thought it was a pass, but people keep telling me that it was a miscontrol. Was, I thought, no, it looked like a pass to me. It looked like a... Yeah, it was a definite pass, yeah. No, I, I think, I think it, was, it was almost like a long touch and it kind of bobbled a little bit and then he sort of almost dragged it. Yeah. I think he's trying to work into McGinn's path anyway, wasn't he? Yeah. But no, it was a brilliant goal and a brilliant way to win the game as well because I think we needed that second yeah. goal, even throughout the whole of the first half because we looked a bit... Um, well, we, we were completely dominant, weren't we? And you thought... Yeah. You know, in the Premier League game, you've got to make the most of that. But um, moving on to Man City now, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night under the lights at Villa Park, 8.15 mm-hmm. kickoff, I think it is. It's, it's a bit mm-hmm. later. Hopefully, the, hopefully the train's back won't be so bad as, as the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, when the last five final competitions, obviously, it's, it's Man City. There's not much point in going over um, everything Excellent. they've done this season. Yeah. But lost to Palace at home a couple of weeks ago. And obviously, we've just beaten Palace as well. I'm not trying to. You know, say that we're going to beat Man City, but I certainly, think like we, <laughs> <laughs> I certainly think we can give them a good game. Though I think from what yeah. we've seen of City, they're they're clearly a good team. But everything we've seen of Villa you know, under Gerrard, compact, intense, feeding off the crowd. Um, you know, even against Palace, I think we fed mm-hmm. off the Palace crowd almost. Um, so as long as it's a, I'm sure it'll be a brilliant atmosphere at Villa Park as well. So I, I think City will be going into that game very wary of the threat that we can pose. Not that we can post to them but also um, the limited how we can limit them as well in times yeah. Uh, yeah I completely agree with you in terms of going into City games I've, I've apart from my blind optimism for a cup final I haven't gone into one yeah. this hopeful or, like, because what I've seen from Gerard so far is that even when teams are dominating the ball and playing against us I just the system looks so solid that, I, like, especially against Brighton, I was sat there and I was thinking, they don't look like scoring. I know they had a few chances and Martinez made one or two saves, but I was just quite comf- quietly confident why it was happening. It's either going to be a nil-nil or we're going to snatch it. Like, I didn't think we concede. And I think City are missing Laporte through uh, suspension. Grealish and Foden are doubts through injury. I think John Stones was ill and Kevin De Bruyne was ill. So I'm not sure if they're going to be ready to go three days later. But they're missing yeah. some key players either way. And 
I know, they, obviously, they've still got the quality to step up. They've got Riyad Mahrez, Sterling, Bernardo Silva all to step up, and they're still a quality yeah. team. But that's the spine of their their squad that like mm. damaged there, and it could have an impact. And if, I fully trust Gerard to base the whole plan and like the tactics around it as well, like really go into de- depth on it, find weaknesses, set up in the correct way, and be ready for whatever they, whatever they have to throw at us. Yeah, I think it's certainly a game that any other any of the year, I was about to say week when we perhaps on you know in bad spell under Dean Smith, but at the moment that City team probably come into this game more fearful, not yeah. necessarily fearful of us, but <laughs> I'm sure how do I put this? <laughs> Villa are more much more optimistic than what they would yeah. have been, and I really don't think that we're going to be that fearful because fearful because it's, we all know it's a free hit anyway. Yeah. Then if you couple you that as you say, we exactly, and yeah. it, if, if you say a couple of injuries, Grealish perhaps, um, Foden perhaps. Laporte's obviously out, um, and a couple of other things here and there with De Bruyne, he's saying, you know, little niggles. So it's not the City team that Guardiola would like to play necessarily. Um, it's never going to be a City team that we want to play because it's obviously going to be full with, you know, top quality. And they beat West Ham 2-1 in the end, but, the, you know, quite solid and mm-hmm. controlled the game. And West Ham are a really good team. And I, ex- I expected West Ham to be a bit more um, up and at them, I suppose, but they kept the ball so well City and they're obviously a class team. Um, but there's plenty we can do to um to you know put a stamp on it. Obviously, the crowd will be right behind us, mm-hmm. and I think there's obviously different ways that we can um, challenge them anyway. But if we look almost, it's supposed to be the homecoming of Grealish, should we say, yeah. or at least his first return. Um, if he isn't injured, I don't actually expect him to be starting anyway, because as you say, if he's been carrying an injury for a couple of weeks now, almost for the whole mm-hmm. month, I don't think he'd be starting three days later. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of reception? Should we say? Are you expecting? I don't know if Grealish will be there if he's injured or not. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like it's died down a bit. Like, well, at the start of the season, it was very, very sour, and everything he did like would cause a provoke a reaction on social media. But yeah. he's been posting Villa on his Instagram the other day. I'm pretty sure. I think it was, and then he did the Dean Smith thing. I think he got a bit of reaction out of that. But I think obviously there's always going to be a portion of fans that are going to support him and then there's also going to be a larger proportion of fans that are probably going to, if he did step foot on the pitch, he probably would get quite a nasty reception. Mm-hmm. I'd probably just ignore him, to be honest. It's, he's not a Villa player. Like I'm not really yeah. concerned with it anymore. I, I, think that's, yeah. I think that's how I see it. I think especially, again, the majority of the crowd, we're in a good place ourselves. We won the last two. Yeah. And we want to get something out of this game. We're not looking just to turn up and enjoy the enjoy the night. You know, Gerard will be saying to the players, "Keep a clean sheet." And if you don't keep a clean sheet, make sure you at least score a goal to mm-hmm. send home, send the fans home with at least something. Um, so I don't actually think people will care necessarily. I'd love to beat them, though. It'd be great. It would be nice to beat them, obviously. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be good. going in there thinking like. <laughs> <laughs> all sour I'm taking the last two results as like a massive positive too much of a positive yeah. probably um, but there I ask how can we beat City or how can we draw against City because to me I think the two just cross over I think if you're in the game against City and you can get a draw there's every reason why you can win the game if that makes sense because mm-hmm. the game plan's going to be the same we're not going to there's no two ways of beating Man City you probably have to um yeah. You know, get a bit lucky defensively, should we say? Be compact, be tight, play extremely well. Eight out of tens, at least, you know, across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can get a goal as well because you say if Laporte's out, City, I don't, they haven't kept clean sheets um, too often this season. Obviously, the fair few because it's Manchester City, but they haven't been a Chelsea, for example, where they've conceded, you know, just off 
um, a Jorginho mistake the other day, and you know a penalty here and there. That you know that they're not watertight, and if they haven't got a Foden, if they haven't got Grealish, haven't got a De Bruyne, I don't know. I'm I am relatively optimistic. <laughs> uh, the promising thing for me in terms of what we what was shown against Palace is Villa faced the most pressures in that game than we we have all season. I think it was two hundred and ten. I think it was evident yeah. at the start of the game that we were able to play and like beat this press with this fast passing that Gerard wants to implement. So like the triangles with Watkins, Target, Ashley Young. I'm not sure he'll go for Ashley Young in this one. He might want a bit more quality on the ball, a bit more pace on the counter attack. So maybe and then Buendia at the like the link up for El Ghazi and Buendia showed like they're completely in the final third. If we get there, we can threaten teams within like a matter of seconds. So in terms of how how we might throw it and see. I think Gerard gets another training session with his team and that style of play is just so fast and hard to defend and we've got the quality on the ball with Ramsey, the likes drive through people, quick passing. I think on the counter-attack, if they make a mistake, we can threaten them. I think he will go for Watkins again up top because we need that physicality. But yeah, we do have the quality to threaten them. It's just remaining solid defensively and not if you have a second of a lapse of concentration, they'll punish you. I think it happened... In lockdown, we was like it was nil nil till about the what was it the seventieth minute? And then Mings did that back pass that was should have been offside and all that. Yeah, not with a nil nil draw there, but it's just one of those you need to you need to play for ninety minutes. You don't need to play for seventy five. Yeah, no, I agree. And almost a predicted lineup. I agree with you. I think Ollie Watkins will start. And I think it'll be the focal point of the attack because uh, again, it's hard to say is it the game for Danny because he's such a good player. And I don't want to sound like we're being um, yeah. you know, but. And it is, it, it is the game for Ollie Watkins. And I think you, if you can have either side, um, I don't know, I, I feel like you might probably, you probably might start Ashley Young, I'm not too sure, just for that defensive element. Um, but I'll take your point. I think there's, you've got plenty of options there and mm-hmm. plenty of reasons to start up when they're in a Bailey or, a, you know, or even an El Ghazi. But then you've got to think... I think El Ghazi might come in, to be honest. He's impressed yeah. in the, the two substitutions. I think he's the, the run for the Brighton goal and that link-up play there, I think, yeah, he yeah. could be in for, in for an increased role and Gerard, to be honest. Definitely. If we work it from the back, obviously Martinez in goal, I presume the yeah. same back four. Um, midfield three, does that change? I think you've got to play in the camera. You need him to just break it. I don't know. The Douglas Louise return for Pep Guardiola. I don't, I'm not sure Pep even cares about him that much, but in our eyes, it's like he's snapping the hill to get him back. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, Ramsey, for me, it would be Nakamba and then McGinn. And then on the left, maybe I would play Ashley Young just for the defensive aspect, Ollie Watkins. And then I might go Buendia just for the um, the defensive aspect. I think he works a bit harder than Bailey, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think you need to leave yourself something on the bench that you can bring off, um, which I think we'd have either way, to be fair. Um, but I like the idea of having the same back four, the same three in midfield. Mm-hmm. Ollie Watkins leading the line, and then there's an argument for either, really, either yeah. or. Um, I'd have Ashley Young on the left, and then on the right, probably Buendia, I think yeah. you say. And then you've got El Ghazi, Kings. you got real quality come off the bench there as well. Um, can I push you for a score prediction, Pat? I am going to go. I said that most, you'll get a draw from it. I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I I, I think it'll be 1-1 as well. Don't get me wrong, City could do a 3-1 or just win the game 2-1, you know, and control us. But and there's no shame in that at all because we'll have, um, you know, more tests that we can really take something from in this game. But I do think we can get something from it. So, there we go. I'm predicting 1-1. Pat says 1-1 as well. Um, and that's going to wrap us up for today. Hope you enjoyed watching, guys. And up the villa. 
Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Yeah.